Yeah, hi. So uh, this is uh, Joe Smeaton uh, from the University of Sheffield, and this is my presentation for the British Society of Phenomenology Conference, uh, September 2020. Um, now, I've sort of rather pretentiously called this uh, In Search of Meanings in Child Protection Social Work within the UK. Um, and I kind of say pretentiously because I'm not a philosopher. Uh, I'm a social worker. Uh, I've been a social worker for 30 plus years. Um, but as I've sort of gone through my practice and into university, um, I sort of like found myself trying to find other ways of understanding what social work is. Um, and through a sort of gradual process, uh, I found myself immersed in um in philosophy generally and phenomenology uh, more particularly. Um, I just kind of wanted to uh, use this uh, presentation as a way of sort of, uh, first of all, describing um, that, that journey to a certain extent, uh, but also trying to make sense of how, uh, of the value of phenomenology to, uh, to understanding social work. Um, so the abstract that uh, I sent in uh, is here, and, and I'm sort of being, well, what I'm saying is that social work theory often tears itself between these sociological and psychological ways to understand the human condition. Um, and that's a sort of like, there's a series of traditions within social work and social work knowledge and social work understanding that really has kind of created that schism. There's kind of like the, the macro sociological ways of understanding it. And then the, the, the psychological ways so we get inside someone's head and, and try to understand them from, from that perspective. There's a really strong psychodynamic tradition uh, in social work, especially in the kind of like 70s and 80s. But there's also a very strong political and political tradition rooted within sociology. Um, a radical, uh, very often Marxist perspective about social work is there to um, challenge oppression, to fight for social justice um, and to understand uh, the human condition from a sociological and political understanding. Um, um, and the social work's job, therefore, is to is to fight for people. Um, and that's the kind of tradition I, I entered social work uh, from within. You know, I wanted to address some of those conditions. Um, but then as you try to kind of make sense of, of how people behave, uh, you find that sociology um, has limits. And so psychology can very often draw you in. Um and I think I found myself in my journey uh, getting sucked into that a little too much and then came up, up against some real sort of barriers uh, to that. And so what this thing is for me is about trying to uh, talk about how social work needs to negotiate those two uh, ontic understandings of, um, of what it is to be human but then to argue primarily that we need to give it back to uh, the people who use social work services <laughs> to explain um, what their life is like. Um, and that those explanations, those meanings, those understandings are prior to our external um, 
theoretical professional meanings that draw upon theory these grand sort of narrative these grand narratives that we uh, uh, ex- explore and when we come along as social work professionals saying i know what your life is like and but 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 more than that it's not just about um that we bring meaning to it we then make value judgments based on those meanings and for me as a child protection social worker um the the value judgments that i made were were quite draconian so i might uh, make a decision that a child is not safe within their family and that we need to bring that child into care and i might then go before a court and argue that that child needs to be um, placed within another family permanently for the rest of their childhood now that's those are major major um, decisions uh, um, with a lot of weight and and I kind of like I found myself as I was going through my practice and but also when I later came into the social work academy um, trying to think about well what is it that what are our claims to knowledge um, where we can go in front of a court and say judge this is the right thing to do um, and I um, know what it is to be um, uh, to be this this child and what the best things for this child are. Um, so more recently, I've sort of been exploring things like Meloponte um, as as viewing the human condition as embodied in the social world, and that we have plural accounts of uh, experience that don't lend themselves to these oversimplified descriptions of the social or psychological realms. And at the moment, uh, and I'll perhaps touch on this towards the end of this, I'm, I'm starting to talk about uh, the ethics that flow from a phenomenological understanding and drawing upon Levinas. And I'm sure, you know, I'm talking to a, a whole conference full of phenomenologists who will know that better than I. Um, so, so why phenomenology? So... Um, my previous work, I, I, did, I wrote a paper with a colleague in 2011. And, and as I'd gone through my practice um, and, and had as a, as a practitioner um, gone before the court and taken out care orders and placed children for adoption. Um, and I was always left with this sense of what is happening for the birth parents here. Um, and so my first piece of empirical research um, drew upon um, Schutz's um, methodology, really, uh, via Moustakas, um, to, to try and get their accounts of what is that like. So I, I talked to some birth parents and published a paper uh, trying to um, get out into the world some of their experiences. Uh, since that that paper there's quite a lot of other work has gone on by by other authors who've gone into that in much more depth but it was kind of that paper was one of the first ones that for the first time tried to put the birth parents experience into that and it was really important to me that we did that um and through exploring that methodology really and shuts and and that kind of broader world of phenomenology it started my thinking about where my practice came from um and i 
I think I sort of eventually grew to recognise that a lot of my practice, even before I um, discovered phenomenology as, as, as an attitude, uh, was phenomenological. So um, I would very often try to work within the meanings that the the service users brought, rather than coming in sort of saying, okay, I'm an expert in uh, psychodynamic theory or systems theory or um, theories around oppression. Uh, rather than bringing that in, I would sort of very often sort of say to uh, service users, tell me what's happening. <laughs> tell me what's happening for you. So rather than me trying to um, explore from my own perspective, I always tried to hand the agenda over. And I think had I been back in practice and, and read more about phenomenology, I would have explored that further. Um, but I think recognising that and recognising actually for the first time, that was an important um, way of, of thinking about what service user experience is. Let's this growing disquiet with sociological and psychological ways of understanding humanity. And I think both of those reduce the human condition to these series of external categorizations of factors. Um, and they're easily appropriated to assess uh, to assess what it is to, to be that family, to be that person, to live within that family. Um, and what we very often do as social workers when we're assessing is we sort of like set um a, a narrative about about a family or a person in time we kind of like put it in aspic and sort of say here is an understanding of this person or this family and all of that diminishes their experiences and it also diminishes their agency and so very often what we're doing is we are sort of taking away their power to make decisions for themselves and to actually um, explore their own understanding of what it is to be them so I, I needed uh, in my sort of like little journey to explore claims to knowledge that social workers make when deciding how to safeguard children. So what are they based on? Um, how robust are they? How do we challenge them? How do we interrogate them? Um, and then to sort of deal with this big thing in social work, which is risk. Um, Beck um, in 1992 wrote a book called uh, Risk Society and sort of describes that condition of late modernity as being one of a risk society that we are in, in the, certainly in the Western uh, world. Um, and risk just um, impermeates every aspect of social work. So I wanted to look at risk which is often written and talked about in social work as if it is a thing. So I wanted to kind of look at this ontologically. Um, I needed a way to explore that ontology of risk and the experience of making risk decisions. So so my first paper in this kind of like tradition, and, and I must sort of like at the beginning um, acknowledge um, the support and contribution of, uh, of Patrick O'Connor. Um, when I was kind of first exploring this, I was working at the Nottingham Trent University and looked for a programme um, or, or a collaborator, I think, first of all. I think I've sort of phoned him up and sort of said, oh, I see you write about phenomenology. Can I talk to you? And he sort of said, well, why don't you do this master's course um, by, by research? Um, so I did, <laughs> and and so the first part of that was uh, to um, to start. What I did was I looked at a rent 
Uh, Arendt had always fascinated me. I'd sort of come across her as a political theorist, first of all. Um, and I really wanted to kind of, I suppose this in the end turned out to be an epistemology rather than anything else. Um, I wanted to look at the forms of knowledge and I was particularly interested in Arendt's reworking of Aristotle uh, and looking at knowledge as the theory, uh, poesis and praxis. Uh, and I adopted within that, uh, within that paper uh, Arendt's distinctions between labour, work and action and put forward an argument that social work knowledge is best thought of as praxis. There's lots of literature within social work sort of saying, you know, is it an art or is it a science? Um, and what I tried to argue in there is that it's both and neither, but fundamentally it is praxis. It's practice that social work is is about being alongside other people, being with them and knowing the right thing to do and say in a particular situation. Um, you can't take theory off the shelf and just go out and apply it uh, willy-nilly. But also what you are dealing with are not uh, a series of products. These aren't, you know, the people that we are working with are not clay to be, um, to be formed into whatever we've decided they need to be. So we can't think of them as being, as, as being art. We can't think of them as product. We have to think about them as being active agents with their, uh, their own understanding of the world. And therefore we need to engage with that. It's praxis. And so from that, I argue that we need to embrace uh, action in that Arendtian sense, that what social work should be about is about work being alongside people and working with them, uh, alongside them, rather than, you know, um, doing things to them. Um, and I, I sort of from that, I think that was, that was an interesting paper. It took me ages to get published in the social work literature because um, social work literature was like, what's this? Uh, but anyway, did get it published. Um, and I went on from there to really get into Heidegger. And, and I particularly wanted to look at Heidegger uh, because I wanted to look at the ontology of risk. And, and I sort of kept coming across Husserl's view that a phenomenology properly carried through is a truly universal ontology. Um, and Heidegger especially is really kind of exploring that. Um, and I really liked lots of, lots of little bit. Heidegger was dense, and for me, coming at it afresh, you know, just ploughing into that was really hard work. It was, um, um, I almost kind of lost, uh, lost the plot completely, uh, trying to get, find my way through being in time. Uh, but lots of little nuggets in there. Uh, lots of things in Heidegger that I need to completely and utterly, um, dismiss because you know the the politics that flows from uh, the, the Heidegger um, developed are just completely uh, anomalous to uh, to social work and social ways of thinking uh, and it was quite um, it's quite a tricky decision to to decide to write a paper based on Heidegger because uh, I kind of I know what comes with that and um, uh, Bourdieu is a is a really common theorist in social work, and was very conscious of Bourdieu's criticism of of, of Heidegger's political ontology. Um, but some real nuggets, and I think that this idea about um, ontological interpretation being more like a groping about than an inquiry uh, really um, really held true for me. Um, 
and and I think that's what I was doing. I was groping about uh, in this idea about what is risk. And what I came up with was um, really describing it as an obstinate construct. It is, uh, if we, risk is very often sort of used as a tool within social work. It's a way of like, all right, well, let's get out a, 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 um, a risk assessment um tool or risk assessment questionnaire or we'll assess the elements of safety and we'll assess the elements of risk um, and and it's very um, appealing to social workers to do that because you, you if you've got something that's physical that you can sort of like go through I asked the, the right questions in the right order and I came up with some some answers that you know give me uh, an approximation about whether someone is safe or risky um, but I think in the end it's a sort of false um, security that it leads us into and but what when we when we talk about risk when we work with risk um what what i so argue that we're doing is we are um framing our work within a risk perspective which means that the whole profession the whole practice of social work uh becomes immersed in risk thinking um and th what that does then is it, it it takes the gaze away from the people we work with and onto ourselves so it's like if i make the wrong decision here if i make a risky decision where i leave a child in a dangerous situation i'm taking a professional risk or um, organizations especially are very risk averse so they want to you know like disperse the risk decision uh, elsewhere and that's why we end up every time with there's a, a a child death and a serious case review and a moral panic in the papers about you know who did it wrong who made the thing uh, local authorities who are ultimately the social work uh, decision making body in the united kingdom are very risk averse and they want to you know find who was to blame and who made the wrong decision so social workers are left with this i was the allocated social worker i did the assessment i made the decision um i'm uh, leaving the child in a risky situation therefore i am the one taking the risk and social workers wake up with this kind of sense of like i don't want to be the uh, the person on the front page of the of the daily mail i don't want to be the headline uh that i was the one who led to this child's um death so what social workers when we're dealing with this thing do is we we end up thinking about ourselves thinking about the profession professional experience of risk and i've always argued that children and families don't experience risk we experience the risk um, and therefore um, it becomes about us and in, in social work where the whole idea about social work is that it should be about the service user it seems strange um, that we are talking about things that we experience rather than things that services experience so i try to use uh, heidegger as a way of problematizing that but also arguing that what risk thinking does is it develops this stimming uh, of anxiety um, and social workers are constantly existing in this um 
um, yeah, general mood of anxiety. Uh, so from there, um, I wanted to look at what that's what's that like for a social worker. Uh, I kind of knew that from my own practice, and, uh, and latterly as a practitioner, I was a, a, a team manager. Uh, and as a team manager, very often I was, you know, office based. Very rarely got out there. But social workers would come to me with their assessments and sort of their recommendations, and say, well, I, you know, I think this child is safe, and we can they can safely continue to live at home, or I think we need to bring this child into care because they're not safe. And that always felt to me like a really scary thing to do. I was, uh, and this idea about um, you know being stood on the uh, the tallest building in the world about to make a bungee jump was always that that sense that feeling uh, I got. Um, so in this paper, I used um, Merleau Ponty to sort of talk about that and to. Um, yeah, and there's the social manager saying, who did this risk assessment then? Um, to look at social work as, um, as uh, living in this sort of like decision about risk and, and it, that not therefore being a rational activity. Uh, it's, it's a very strongly embodied um activity social work you walk into someone's home uh, you sense how people are feeling you smell uh, what it's like to be in that house uh, you hear the noises you hear the dogs barking you hear the children crying you hear it's a real um, fully embodied experience of walking into someone's home and then making decisions uh, you can't just do that rationally. You can't just kind of like have a list of risk factors and a list of strengths and add them up and come up with the right answer. Um, you walk in something, you, you, and social workers often talk about, you know, the hairs on the back of their neck standing up and not knowing exactly what it is, but something wasn't right. Um, and that changes the assessment. It changes what we do. It changes the thing and so i in this paper i kind of like um and explored and you know thanks again to patrick who who, who gave me a lot of the kind of um the not the technicalities but i think the richness of Milo ponty in that paper um and i will to describe their social workers as embodied decision makers um and, and risk takers and uh, running on adrenaline rather than compassion and, and rationalism. Um, so, um, you know, very often people are living in this kind of like state of anxiety um, and therefore drawing upon adrenaline to make decision makers. And, and I sort of like drew the parallel of, um, of some of the extreme um, sports. Um, and, and there's a phenomenology uh, literature around that. Bravik especially says it's impossible to jump a little out of the plane. Either one jumps or one does not. And when one has made the jump, there's no way back. Things happen very fast. That's very similar to social work. Once you've decided to take a child um, away from their parents or to leave them where they are, perhaps over the weekend, you know, something's happened on a Friday. You're worried about whether the child is safe over the weekend. You've made that decision. You have to live with it. And you make that decision quickly, and then consequences follow. Um, so yeah, 
So I, I sort of like talk about social workers being the latest extreme sport. There's one, two social workers going out on a visit. Is this your first child protection case? Yep, but I'm sure they live on a bus route. Do we have to? <laughs> do we have to jump out of a plane to do this? Um, the average career for a children and family social worker in the United Kingdom is eight years. That's compared to 15 years for nurses and 21 years for for doctors. Um, so there's a really, really fast turnaround, I think, because of this uh, mood of, of anxiety. Um, and so we engage in magical thinking. Uh, we put our faith into processes and techniques. Uh, we develop an audit culture and we use tools which offer reassurance and disembody the risk decisions. Um, what we're trying to do is distance ourselves from the things and, 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 and have a, a, a tech technocratic solution and social work literature often talks about this sort of like techno-rational um, liberal rational kind of uh, environment that we're working in that that, that risk society has, has kind of like put us, with it, put us within uh, and it's all false, it's all problematic and, and, and difficult in my, in my recent paper uh, search of socialist post-risk paradigm what i'm trying to do is sort of say look we are currently in this state of essential tension that's not sustainable we can't continue to work within this risk paradigm it's not working for us it's not working for social workers but it's also it's especially not working for uh children and families we are seeing a massive increase in the rise of uh, massive rise in the number of children coming into care um, and since um, Baby P, the death of Peter Connolly, um, that number has just gone up and up and up and up. And we can understand that, if we understand that psychologically, uh, if we understand that sociologically, um, we don't really ever deal with what's happening there. I think what, what's happening there is that social workers are increasingly worried about themselves professionally and about the consequences of what happens, the moral panic, the shame, the public humiliation that happens to social workers um, uh, in a child death situation. So what we're doing is we're taking more and more children into care and, and that's kind of unsustainable. We can't, we can't, you know, take every child into care. Uh, and also care is not itself risk free. So some children go into care and have uh, a terrible experience. I think actually in the United Kingdom we have a very, very good care system, but it's creaking. Um, it can't sustain the numbers that we have. So we, we're, we're currently, I would argue in this paper, in a state of potential, so it's not sustainable. And we have to find a, a post-risk um, world, a post-risk mood for profession, one of maybe hopefulness. Um, and um, and so what I'm doing at the moment is I'm really trying to explore that and of course what I'm coming down to is a contrived cultural reference uh, the only way is ethics um, I think we have to go back to social work's political roots uh, in a sense uh, and and see ourselves as a, a as a profession that's rooted in in ethics now that's not straightforward either and when i look at social work ethics we are very 
very tied into Kant and the categorical imperatives. And so what I'm currently trying to do, the, work, the paper I'm currently writing is based on Levinas. Uh, and I think there's some mileage in thinking about um, um, having a sort of like um, infinity uh, uh, of responsibility, responsibilities sort of extending way, way beyond social work itself, um, but also living with um, preliminary um, understandings, preliminary ways of thinking. Um, and I think Levinas's view that ethics is always prior to to knowledge is going to be a, a useful way of, of expanding that. So that's what I'm currently working on. Um, I'd be really keen to hear if anyone's got any thoughts about it. I realise that what I've given you here is just uh, uh, a skip across some ways. And, you know, I think if you've come looking for deep uh, phenomenological insight uh, or philosophical insight here, um, I hope you're not disappointed. But I think what I'm trying to do is sort of say that phenomenology has got an application and I think it's got a really strong... Uh, argument um, to make for for dominating uh, social work thinking and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to uh, expand on that and um, and explore that further so um, yeah there's some um, there's some uh, references there uh, I hope um, you might find some of my, my, my um, papers interesting they are in the social work journals um so if you want to ex you know um take a step away from from some of the philosophy journals um do have a look because i think some of them might uh, have some interesting things i particularly uh, want to explore in the f in the future this idea about embodied social work and and to drop on um, merleau-ponty more and more um so yeah thank you for your time